On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we will be talking to Wake Forest head basketball coach, uh, Kansas legend, Los Angeles Clippers legend, Danny Manning Tate. He joined mm. us for for about 30 minutes uh, uh, in his home in, in Winston-Salem. I almost said Wake Forest. It, it really, really is frustrating mm. that Wake Forest is not in Wake Forest. I can't stress well, yeah, for people that don't know, Wake Forest is in Winston-Salem, but Wake Forest, North Carolina exists, and that's where it was originally based, but now it's a seminary. So now he's in Winston-Salem. And again, Danny Manning, we didn't ask him about the Carolina Cougars, but we asked him about everything else. And uh, yeah, it was very, very, very fun time with Danny Manning. Great, great, uh, great interview with him, talking to him about the uh, the Danny and the Miracles uh, mm-hmm. 88 season that, um, yeah, he surprised me with his thoughts on that. That, that. We call that a teaser in the business, Tate. I'm not going to say what surprised me. People are going to have to listen to uh, to tune in. Uh, we're also today, we're going we're gonna to break down our top five. What's our top five list today, Tate? Our top five list is the top five title teams that shouldn't have been title teams based on the fact that the other team that they beat should have been the title team. Yeah, just like basically the <laughs> top five. Um, these are the teams. These are the title games that would have been more fun if, if the yes. other team would have won. Yes. Like we, we wish the other team would have won because it would have made for a more fun uh, outcome. Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes in life, sometimes in life, the most fun thing doesn't happen, Tate. That's what mm-hmm. we've learned. So uh, we're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to uh, talk about some of this Fox Sports, uh, the, the fan bracket that's unfolding in front of our very eyes. Mitt Romney's getting involved, Tate. Yes, that's how you know. That's, that's how you know the Sweet 16 is on. Is that if Mitt Romney's retweeting something, then the Sweet 16 is here. Uh, it's officially madness. And uh, he actually helped BYU and the Cougars. They move on to the Sweet 16. Uh, we're going to see what else comes up. North Carolina missed out on another five-star recruit. We're going to get Tate's thoughts on that. Uh, see, just to see where wherever else this thing goes. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right. Like we said, coming up later, uh, Danny Manning. We talked with him a little bit. Um, Tate. We want to start here, though. Uh, we are day whatever on the quarantine. How are the classes with Yale going? Do you have a degree from Yale yet? I do not have a degree yet. And again, I did not. I uh, decided not to pay for the piece of paper that says I'm going to Yale, uh, which is honestly probably a mistake because a lot of people don't believe it. Uh, then you have to like pull out your email. It, it's Coursera uh, for people that don't know uh, Coursera or whatever the hell they call themselves. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I've uh, I've actually done two lessons, so I've learned I've learned a couple things. Uh, it, it's also you know what's funny whenever you do any class, you feel like you're gonna like you see the name of it, you're like oh my god, I'm gonna come out of the class, and I'm gonna learn so much, and then you get into the minutia of it, and you're just like, all right, can we get into this? <laughs> can I learn about classical music? Can you can you do something? Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm still in school. I've not graduated yet, and uh, I'm already tired of it. I'm tired of quarantine, Titus. How many? Oh god, dude, you're telling me how many how many more years until we can just upload information into our brains or is that if we if we've made it that far we're already we're already gone as a species that's when yeah. it's already taken over us mm-hmm. right I mean, and it's be. also annoying like if, if someone were to download like or to claim they didn't download the information and they knew everything about it you know what i mean then we're gonna have to do yeah. this whole like the fact that i have to pull out an email to show that i'm in yale right now like i can only imagine if i had to pull out some sort of like chip in my brain to be like see i, I put yeah. this in. sorry um, I had this other thought with quarantine. Speaking of like learning things, uh, a, a quarantine thought is I'm just like staring into the abyss, waiting for someone to knock on my door and say I can go outside and mm-hmm. go to the bar and throw back some mm-hmm. cold ones with the boys again. Um, <laughs> do you think there will ever be a time in 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 humanity in the history of this species where the like science can't progress? Tate, stick with me because there's so much to learn to then progress on the science that we already know that basically everyone dies before they get to that point. Like 
-hmm. Like right now you go to school, you have to learn to, before you can like dive into quantum mechanics, you have to be like a kindergartner learning two plus two. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you like kind of stack and you learn all the things that are already known. And then you, and then like the, the really smart people go out and discover something when they're older in life. Do you think it's like we, we un, you know, our understanding of things happens and it starts stacking on more and more that when a baby's born, it it will now take him like 84 years to learn everything we know about science. And then Mm -hmm. only then when they're 84, that can they like discover things, Mm -hmm. but then they're dead. You understand Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You think that'll ever happen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) yes or no question. Take one word answer only, please. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. I think that will happen. I also will say this. I think here's how we get ahead of that. As soon as the baby's born, as soon as we get like their nervous system gathering things, we just like give them like the theory of relativity and like quantum fields. And we just like, like, this is what exists. This is the reality. Uh, And then we just just see what happens. And just hope that they hope that they absorb it. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Or they might just be like at the age of eight, like I'm over this. Like I can't handle this. This is too much knowledge. And then they're out like baby geniuses. They're just like, I'm going to I'm going to tap out for this to be a regular person again I, I think it's one of those things where by the time we reach that point the robots have already overtaken us and we don't have to yeah. worry about it and yeah, yeah. don't stress um, over that <laughs> <laughs> let's get to this fox sports ultimate fan mm. bracket that uh mm. the, the, these games that are going on to we have murray state has now pulled the the upsets of all upset a 13 seed is now playing unc in the sweet 16 mm. if, if you're new to the program and have no idea what we're talking about our frame of reference fox is putting on the tournament uh uh, uh, on Twitter where you just basically vote for matchups to figure out who the best fan base is. Winner gets a billboard in your rival school mm-hmm. or in your rival near your rival's campus that basically says we're better than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are now down to the Sweet 16, Tate. We're, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. Uh, the voting for the second round ended, so we have our Sweet 16 set. Um, Murray State it will be taking on your North Carolina Tar Heels, who kind of pulled an upset that's not really an upset by, by beating NC State. A lot mm-hmm. of people, myself included, had NC State circled in that one. And the Tar Heels pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Um, what what else is standing out to us? UMBC has moved on to this week. They took down Maryland after beating Virginia. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about here? I was going to say, I mean, I think like the matchups that we've gotten to, I mean, one of the things we pointed to was NC State, North Carolina. That was uh, something that came down to the wire, quote unquote. And then we got Kobe White and Azir Little and uh, the young North Carolina kids putting it out to the world. They get the votes. They get the, the you know, they, they clear that. They get 60% vote, move on. That was that was exciting. But we also talk about the fact that Ohio State is playing Michigan this week 16. Mm. I know this is something that you're fired up about. Michigan's getting a lot of early votes right now. Uh, maybe Rob Polinka will retweet this at some yeah. point for all the Michigan fans. Well, the scary Are thing, you worried? The, I, I am worried. And I'm going to tell you why Michigan wins nothing. They, they never win mm. anything. It's been a long time since Michigan fans have ever won anything uh, mm. of any substance whatsoever. Um, the so, sugar bowl, the 20, the 2012 yeah, sugar yeah, bowl. Yeah. The last time. Yep. Yeah. And so I think they found themselves, <laughs> they, they see this as an opportunity to finally win something and especially mm-hmm. beat Ohio state at something. Um, so yeah, I'm worried because this is going to matter a lot more to them than it does to us. Uh, Cause you know, like, like if you're if you're trying to rally Ohio State fans to say like, hey, we have to go beat Michigan again, they're like, again? I mean, like, how many? For God's sakes, how many times can we beat Michigan in one year? Like, this is this is I'm exhausted. Um, so I, I think I think I'm worried about that, but uh, I don't know. We're a second half team. We've always been a second half team, Tate. I, I think Michigan's jumped out to an early lead here, but uh, I'm not sweating it too much. Oregon is holding it down for the West Coast. Mm-hmm. It's Oregon and BYU. That stands out to me. Or I thought Oregon was going to lose to Auburn in the first round. They stormed back. They beat Auburn. They just beat the two-seed Oklahoma. They will now be playing Purdue, who I think uh, – I have Purdue in my Final Four, so um, I think Purdue's in a good spot there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Day- Dayton and BYU is the matchup, though, you gotta you got to look at, Tate. Dayton beat Wisconsin mm-hmm. after beating Iowa. So two mm-hmm. Big Ten teams 
knocked out by by Dayton. Uh, BYU just beat Michigan State, as we said. Uh, Mitt Romney retweets something at the at the buzzer, basically. Yes, yes. Both of those matchups, the BYU Michigan State matchup and the Dayton Wisconsin matchup, were basically fifty fifty with like thirty minutes left, and then Dayton and BYU both stole them at the end. Uh, I feel like that's a matchup that's going to garner like five million votes, and it's going to be taken very seriously. And I f- it feels like whoever wins that's going to win the whole thing. That's that's kind of where we've arrived with this. It does feel like if you're a team like Dayton and you've had to get all these fans together to make these votes and they're keeping up with it over the timeline, because there's one thing just to go online and just vote, you know, and just leave it be and just see what happens. You know, there's a lot of people that went on early as state fans that I know that voted for state and they're like, ha ha, like send me screenshots. We're up, you know, 57 to whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it, It's over. It's a wrap. And then they didn't check two days later. And of course, they lost. And I think the Dayton fans <laughs> are, you know what I mean? Like they are just completely locked in the entire time. Same with the BYU fans. So like to have both those, you know, if it is 50-50, like you said, as we get down to the dwindling hours, they will recruit people to yep. go online and to vote, which means that we have a chance for like American Idol numbers. You know what I mean? This is a, <laughs> this, is, this is a blowout potentially. This is, is Ruben Sutter versus Clay It's going to be wild. And for some I reason, think, uh, I think Dayton is Ruben Sutter and I think they have a real, real shot at this. And, so you're uh, saying BYU is Clay Aiken. That's, that's, that's weird how we arrive at those uh, identities for those schools. That's, that's interesting how that shook out. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think Dayton, uh, Dayton is probably going to, but it is like, I, I think it comes down to timing. I think it's like, when do you, when do you throw the switch, hit the button for the last push um, when, when does Mitt Romney come in and retweet? If Mitt Romney retweets immediately, I don't know if it matters as much, but he, he the very last push of like, everybody go vote for this. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. So uh, go check it out at CBB on Fox is where all these polls are taking place. Um, like I said, the winner of this whole thing gets, we're getting a billboard for you in your rival's campus. What is, what, what is the, what is the uh, uh, trolling vote in, in, in the sense of like voting against somebody now? Cause Duke's out. Would it be Kentucky, do you think? Like, is there a team that people are going to rally against and say, like, let's vote this team out that an upset might happen? Well, yes. That's Kentucky, right? It's North Carolina. I feel like – North Carolina would be yeah, a good pick, too. I, I yeah. feel like North Carolina and Murray State, there's a real chance for an upset there just for the same thing you are saying with Duke where people are like, yeah. oh, the 13 seed, let's, let's go ahead and get this upset done. Uh, I can see that happen. I can see Kansas having something like that happen as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically the Blue Bloods. You have to Blue watch Bloods, out. Yeah, but, definitely Blue Bloods. Uh, but it's basically like Murray State and UMBC in terms of – trolling the vote to make the winner if, if we're looking at like the peyton hillis madden cover situation mm-hmm. it's gonna have to be one of those two um mm-hmm. and yeah murray state's an interesting one i don't i don't know how they're doing it but uh congrats to them uh they're, they're figuring out maybe it's all the kentucky fans are voting for murray state mm-hmm. to beat unc yeah and they're they're trying to double dip here the murray state Kentucky There's a lot of people title. that aren't even voting for their school. They, they haven't even looked at that side of the bracket. They're just like, I want to find the team I hate. Like Michigan fans were probably beforehand, whoever Ohio State is playing, like I'm just going to vote for Louisville. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I did that with Lehigh. It, it's a lot of – people are getting upset about this, like, you know, because of the rigging of the votes in the sense that, like, people will vote against teams they don't like. But that's part of the game. This is Twitter. Yeah. Don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't get, listen, there's real life stuff going on in the world. Don't get upset about this. Get upset about the stuff that actually matters in this world, such as the horse contest that ESPN put on that, uh, that, ugh, get upset about that. That's, that's what you should really do. Did you watch that by the way? Did you watch it? I did not watch it. I just, it was bad. I read the commentary and all I have to say is this, like horse has never been a good game to start with. You know what I mean? Especially like at home on zoom. I don't think anyone's ever had fun playing. I don't think anyone has played horse like that. So as soon as I heard that, I was like uh, red flag. Then I saw the responses and I was like, Oh, Chris Paul lost. I'm out. 
I watched only to see Mike uh, Conley play. Uh, I, I knew he was in Ohio. At his, he was at his house in Columbus. And um, <laughs> I, I was watching just to see if any of the guys I know were at his, like, going to pop in screen or, or yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> friends of ours that are just always hanging around Mike's. Um, yeah, that, that was pretty funny, though, where people were losing their mind at how big Mike's gym was. And, and the, the takeaway point was how much money Mike has made, which he's made a ton of money in his career. Mm-hmm. But my, my, the, the real point should have been how cheap real estate is in Columbus, Ohio. Cause that house, <laughs> his house is really like not even that expensive to have for, for how big it is. And he's got a gym in that and all that. It's like $2 million or something. But, uh, and, and this at the time, it's a, it's a yeah, for, people, <laughs> for people that don't know, Mike Conley was the highest paid player in the NBA. I think like 2016, he was making yeah. like $125 million a year. Uh, or over five years and uh, 25 a year. And, you know, people were upset because they were like, this guy has his own gym, but he's not even an all-star. And to that, I say, Mike Conley is an all-star. I don't care mm-hmm. what the charts say. I don't care. It's kind of like a Rod Strickland thing. It's like, yeah, say he's not an all-star, but you know he's an he's all-star. An all-star. Yeah, so, those so, so don't use that as like a that, crutch. That was the same summer Evan Turner got like $117 million from the Blazers. 2017, that's what it was. It was 2017. It, some, it was the summer like that, that yeah. Durant signed with the Warriors. Yeah, it was like, uh, it was the worst. The cap's going up though. Or 2016, too, so 2016. The cap, the cap is going up, so uh, these these contracts won't look as bad in a few years. Um, uh, all right, moving on. Let's get to it. Let's do uh, let's do our top five, our starting five of the day. Um, these have become fun. I've really enjoyed these. Last week we did the uh, uh the, or the last show uh, on Friday we did the uh, we we build our teams using guys from you can only use one guy from each conference. Uh, I I was slowly losing my mind as the draft was unfolding <laughs> because mm-hmm. I had a strategy going in and I blew it. Uh. So go back and listen to that if you want. We 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 had some fun. Uh, people were sending in responses um, with their own teams, and people were putting together some fun teams. So I, I like that idea. That I'm I'm growing to like these ideas we're doing. So <laughs> today we are doing the top five title games won by the wrong team, and what what constitutes the wrong team? Uh, it's it's not necessarily that we're saying the better team didn't win. We're not doing that move where it's like the better team lost tonight. The refs screwed this team. They should have won. Whatever, whatever. We're just saying like. The storyline, the what, what have you? It would have been more fun had the losing team won, mm-hmm. in our opinion. And this is mm-hmm. we should preface it as always, Tate. This is our opinion. We're not speaking <laughs> for all of America. I'm just speaking for myself. So yeah, um, this is not it. the these are not the official rankings. These are yeah. not. This is not official. I think that's what my that's what I've learned as <laughs> I've gone through all the lists. As long as it doesn't say the official mm-hmm. or like. The you cannot argue this top ten episodes of Seinfeld, and it's not even close. Yeah, or you say an opinion, you say it, it's not even close. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then the opinion is like kind of like really like secular and like very nuanced and like very specific, yeah. and you're like, what do you mean? It's Yellow Starbursts are the best Starbursts, and it's not even close. And you're like, yes. what? Why you're like, you? No one's ever said that. Is that is that why? I think that's no. when I slowly just started like caring about the internet because i swear to god like i I should be a i should be an internet historian because i swear to god like when when i was on twitter initially way back in the in 09 10 like that wasn't twitter you you weren't getting on there and saying like i i think tommy pickles is the best rug rat of all time anyone who says angelica can kiss my ass like that wasn't what twitter was for twitter was just for like like john mayer would tweet something funny darren novell would say like um you know the 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 Durham Bulls, <laughs> uh, Ra- Raging Bull made, or, or uh, uh, whatever. I don't know. Darren Ravel, I can't even think of, I'm trying to, I'm trying to channel Darren Ravel's brain and I can't even do it. Um, but yeah, Darren Ravel would tweet nonsense. Like, like that was pretty much all it was. And then the moment I started realizing that like finding success on Twitter or like being a personality on Twitter required like chiming in with like 
nonsense like that. I was like, what the hell is going on? And then mm-hmm. the, the, the internet's never looked back. So anyway, that's not what we're doing. I, I will say that in Twitter, I joined Twitter May 2010. I just realized that I saw the other day. I've been on Twitter for 10 years and my first tweets were all about lost. I was rewatching yeah. Lost, and all I was doing was tweeting at my friends with hashtag lost thoughts. And that's what Twitter used to be, you know, <laughs> just like stupid stuff like that, where it's like, I didn't care about anyone other than the six people that I was trying to tweet with. Uh, and here we are now, and now people tweet, you know, yellow star bus for the masses. And uh, people yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Ooh, fun time. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, enough, enough of that. Let's get to it. Uh, let's go, let's, let's work backwards like we always do. Uh, number five, I'll let you go first. The floor is yours. What title game uh, did, did, the, did the college basketball gods get wrong? Okay, easy enough. And this is probably number five on my list because I think it's so self-explanatory. And it's because of uh, one name, and that's the Cardiac Pack. Um, And in 1983, a team that won the ACC tournament just to get in the field uh, decided to go on a ridiculous run where they basically... The, became the class of the ACC in a year where the ACC had Ralph Sampson, Michael Jordan, and all of these other great, you know, basketball players in the ACC at the time. Uh, somehow a team uh, with Sidney Lowe, Lorenzo Charles, and uh, Jim Valvano going insane at the end. We, we all imagine him running around. They beat Houston uh, by Slamma Jamma, a team that I think uh, they have like a black mark on the record because of this game, because they lost on an air ball that turned into an alley-oop. And mm. uh, if I were to rewrite history – I know it was great that Jimmy V had this moment. I think it's a it's a great story as far as the cardiac pack and winning the tournament. Then you know it led to what we saw with Kimba in the future in 2010 or 2011. Um, so all that's you know I, I don't want to lose that, but I also feel like Houston lost a lot of credibility by losing that game. And if they win that national championship, we look back at Houston and that whole run with a different purview where we're like Akeem and Clyde, and that's like one of the greatest dynasties in college basketball. Yeah, it's just happened. We lost that, which I think hurts. Um, which is why I think that uh, if we could reverse it, maybe Houston wins. So you're not you're not saying NC State should have lost as much as you're saying Houston deserved to win. Houston Houston, Houston yeah. earned a title. Like they, they yeah. did not get a title during this window of time, and it's that weird, hurts yeah. their reputation and in the future, even though it shouldn't, because we know that they were the better team. And then all those years later, Bryce Alford uh, has the exact same shot, kind of, uh, and it's called goaltending when he airballs and leaves it short against SMU. Yes, an air ball. It was yes. not. It was not. It was not goaltending. It's you say it shouldn't have been goaltending. It's not. It was, it's obviously it, not goaltending. But uh, yeah. You know it the, wasn't. You yeah, know it wasn't. Uh, I just want to say this: four of their six victories, two points or less. I mean, come on. Like, NC we, State. Yeah. Think, in that think about run. yeah, like Houston. How much would be different if uh, NC State doesn't win that? If NC State, like the inferiority complex, is even even stronger. Oh Jimmy, my goodness! Do we care about Jimmy V? Like. I mean, I think we still care because he still was like tight with Dickie V and Coach K, and like mm-hmm. he still was sort of had his persona himself. That I think, uh, you know, when his cancer diagnosis hits and he goes to the SBs and all that, like you, you could still see it playing out. But like, does it resonate as much if he's not a title-winning coach that everyone remembers running out onto the floor with his arms up and the miracle that NC State won it all and all that kind of stuff? I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. It's interesting that you're taking away all the, that inspiration, the Jimmy V the speech, the the money that's been raised by the V Foundation, that you're trying to take all that away from society. It's a very interesting pick that you yes. want to undo all of that. Yes, I'm taking all that away just so <laughs> Clyde Drexler and Akeem Olajuwon <laughs> can say we were on a dynasty team. Yes, take it's all that, that, strip all that away. Strip it all, it's not worth it. ES, <laughs> ESPN has lost all of its money uh, for college basketball, but yes, uh, for, for the sake of Clyde Drexler <laughs> and Akeem Olajuwon, who are all fine, uh, yeah, let's do that. All right, yeah, that's number five on my list. All right, number five on my list is, I think this is what started the whole idea of doing this is because I think I casually mentioned uh, the wrong team won this title game, and then from there we got the idea to actually power rank these. 
Uh, mine is the 2005 title game, mm. North Carolina, Illinois. Again, sort of the same thing. Like as you were, I'm not really discrediting North Carolina as much because I think uh, if, if this was like say 2009 North Carolina or 2017 North Carolina, I would have this much much higher. But um, Carolina winning in 05 was kind of a cool story because uh, Roy finally got over the hump and got his title. Uh, you know, Carolina it, it had been 12 years since you guys won a title, and um, the, the 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 road since Dean had left was a little rocky. And to have it like kind of stabilized by this was 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 kind of cool. It was it was interesting. But the Illinois team not winning the title is is an all time travesty. That team was so so fun. That team was so so good. Uh, it, and every time you look back on it, it's just like, I, th- I think, was it D Brown that kind of put something out on Twitter that, uh, recently, yeah, where he put out like a, a, a it, was, it was a shot of him in the, uh, the locker room with his head down after the game. And he's like, I still can't believe we didn't pull this off or something. Uh, my bad Illinois Na- or Illini nation or something like that. Um, 75, 70. It was, it was, if, if Illinois wins that, it is uh, one of the great, all, I mean, they're still one of the great all-time teams, but that is, that team was so fun that like the Big Ten needed it, Illinois needed it. I don't know. So I'm putting that at number five because <laughs> it, it, I, I think, I think if that, if that goes differently, the world is a different place. And uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, I don't know. That, that That's it. That's all I got, Tate. That's a, I look, I understand that. I that North Carolina team for me is obviously like the redemption the redemption run for the Matt Darty years. And uh as a North Carolina fan, it was a totally different experience because North Carolina had been so far away from the national conversation for so long that when they came back, we felt like we were the underdogs. But again, mm-hmm. I think like you said, America and the big or the Midwest and the Big Ten and everyone obviously wanted to Illinois and that team to succeed. And I will be I'll be quite honest with you, that Illinois team, when they beat Arizona, I was praying praying that North Carolina would not have to play Illinois because they felt like they were a team of destiny. The title game taking place in St. Louis, uh, just, and yeah, the Arizona game leading into it. It just felt like the stars were aligned and Illinois is supposed to win. And this was supposed to be just, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, a a, a crowning moment for the big 10 and (laughs) it was not. And it's been a long road back for the entire conference as we'll see as my, my list continues to to unfold here. (laughs) Uh, okay, okay. That, that's my number five pick. What's your number four? My number four pick is easy. Uh, he's co- he's going to join us later on the pro- in the broadcast. And again, they, the reason I say this is because they had eleven losses. Uh, I don't think that they were necessarily the best team in the tournament in nineteen eighty eight. I think they had also lost to Oklahoma, the team that they beat twice. Uh, or Oklahoma beat them twice during the regular season. And they lost to them in the title game. Uh, one of my rules is you know having to play a team three times, especially when you beat a team twice. And then I have to play them in the national championship game. That seems like a little unfair to me as mm-hmm. far as the draw itself. I mean, I know Kansas got lucky. I think Murray State had a big upset this year, that year as a 14 seed. You know, not to maybe I'm getting this in the ultimate fan bracket confused, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure Murray State upset whoever the number one overall seed was. You can fact check me on that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was just saying, like, it's just a bad draw to have to play a team that's in your conference in the title game. Uh, they play Oklahoma, they beat Oklahoma. Uh, Danny Manning takes nothing away from him, but if they win that game, uh, I think maybe Larry Brown's. Uh, wow, I mean, I don't even know. What, what are you gonna What are you gonna say that he maybe sticks around a little longer? Like he, he doesn't become a coach that that. I, yeah, I don't. I don't even know because like there was the whole uh, investigation type. I don't mm-hmm. know how it plays out because like if they lose, maybe that. You know how they say like maybe like none of that comes to the full conversation. Like, you know, maybe he's there a little bit longer. I don't know. But I will just say this. Mm-hmm. Having to play a team that you beat twice, that, that's unfair. And they were 11 losses, so I would just say, hey, maybe they shouldn't have won that game, 1988 Kansas. 
Okay, that's a good pick. Uh, Kansas um, that year they lost, and, and I looked this up to to prepare for the the our our interview with with Coach Manning here in a second. Um, Kansas lost to Duke, Kansas State, and Oklahoma in like the final month of the regular season, or they, they lost to Kansas State in the Big Eight tournament. The, okay, and, and that's how they got knocked out. So they lose to those three, and then the the last three teams they beat on that tournament run, they beat Kansas State in the uh, Elite Eight. They beat Duke in the final four, and then they beat Oklahoma in the title game. So, like, mm-hmm. all three teams, the last three games they won were all against teams that had just beat them, like, a month prior. They all got re- – it was, it was sort of a revenge tour is what I'm saying, Tate. So, it was um, – you, you're subscribing to the theory that it's hard to beat teams multiple times. I'm just saying it's a bad draw. It's a, it's a bad, it's bad draw. Bad matchup. Bad matchup. For bad matchup. So, so yeah. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they right. may have been a better team, but uh, they, they played a better player, Danny Manning won. Um, all right, I'm my number four is another Big Ten team losing <laughs> to another ACC team in a title game. I'm going with 2015, uh, Duke beating Wisconsin. Um, looking back, like the Wisconsin team, they 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 go to the Final Four in 2014 with with Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker, and they basically bring all those guys back. I forget who was the one. Uh, who who's the guy that they they lost? They, they didn't lose Gosser, right? They lost. Did they lose Ben Brust? Was it from 2014 to 15? They basically lost like one of those the white buzz cut guards. Um, but they brought back I like basically. Yeah. I think it was Bruss too. Oh, they basically bring back everybody the next year, uh, uh, and and it, it, it seems like it's happening. They play Wisconsin or they play uh, Arizona again in the Elite Eight. They again beat Arizona. They're going up against Kentucky, the 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 best team of all time. We don't know yet. Thirty eight no. They beat Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky fans would say that they got some help from the refs. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But. Crazy, crazy upset. I was at that game, Tate. I'm in the arena. Wisconsin fans are going nuts. They can't believe it. The, the, it's going to happen. Wisconsin is actually going to win a national championship. Wisconsin, as, a, as an entire university, a sports university, football and basketball, has always been the school that's good enough to beat the, the school that actually wins the title. That is like always <laughs> their thing. Is they're like the B minus or the, the A minus B plus program mm-hmm. uh, that can that can knock off anybody, but they can never do it themselves. And oh my God, are they finally going to do it? All they have to do is beat this Duke team that they and had lost to. Yeah. That they had lost to. Talking about your Kansas thing, they had lost to Duke earlier in the year at home. It was like surely they're not going to lose now. They're going to watch the tape, learn what they what they did wrong on the first game, and it's gone. And they lose. And uh, uh, it, it it it's. It's devastating, not because uh, I'm trying not to do the thing where it's like I, I wish this was different just because Duke won. Like, because I, I actually did really like that Duke team, but looking back, like as more time has on uh, gone on, that Tyus Jones basically got Jaleel Okafor and Justice Winslow to play out of their minds for three weeks and care greatly about basketball. Um, it's staggering. It's it just if you're talking about like college basketball gods, Wisconsin deserved to win that game. Uh, but that's not how it always works. It doesn't matter. The, the, sometimes the gods are cruel. And uh, Tyus Jones, it's a big three, and, and Duke wins yet again. <laughs> I was going to say, and also, like, that's a perfect example. We talked about bad draw. That's a good draw. Like, if you're Duke, you get to have the two best teams in the tournament play each other in the other side of the bracket in the Final Four. You know, the undefeated Kentucky team that probably should have won that year loses to Wisconsin, who was probably the hottest, best team at the time. Then they play Duke. They're coming off the emotional high of beating Kentucky. It's a, it's just a bad draw. It's a good draw for Duke. Bad. Yeah, draw for I will say Duke was definitely good enough to win. I don't think that's like an. This was not an instance of like, uh, the, like I said, the better team lost. Uh, yeah. Duke, Duke was probably better than Wisconsin. I mean, they beat him twice that year. Um, but uh, uh, like Mikhail Bridges said on our sh- our last show, Tate, that that 2015, the Final Four, those three teams, 
all three of them are as good as any team we've seen in college basketball in the last 10 plus years. You know, all three of them are title teams, but only one could win. And it wasn't Wisconsin. And that's a bummer for a program. That's always just right there. Ah, oh, oh, just right there. Oh, it's such a bummer. Such and a it's bummer. gone. <laughs> and it's gone. Uh, you hate to see it. The big 10 yet again. All right. Number three for me, uh, this is going to hurt some people's feelings and I know exactly who it's going to hurt, but it has to be said. Um, and it's honestly, it should be my number one team, uh, as far as like the different revisionist history of time, but it's the 1985 Villanova Wildcats. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of people are going to be upset about this because Georgetown, obviously in this game, uh, 66, 64, uh, Patrick Ewing that year, they were the number one team, uh, preseason number one team in the country. They were 35 and three. He won every single award. Patrick Ewing literally won every single award you could possibly win. I think he won like the, it was like the Eastman or the, it was like the other player. The, it's like the Naismith, yeah. the Wooden, and the Eastman award. He won that award. He won everything. Um, and this, like they, they'd beaten uh, Villanova during the regular season. Uh, like it was just all set up for Georgetown to have this back-to-back moment. Um, you know, like this is this team, they had like Michael Jackson on their team and people are like, Michael Jackson, not that Michael Jackson, but they had the other Michael Jackson. But what if it was? That would have been something. <laughs> <laughs> but what if it was? That would have been crazy. Uh, I think like, all they had four guys get drafted in the the first three rounds. I think it was uh, who was the other one? Uh, Reggie Williams, um, Sleepy Floyd. He was on the. Uh, I think he was. On the, I remember. He was, yeah, yeah. Was he, he was gone the, by then? He was gone by then. But yeah. uh, it's Bill Martin. Bill Martin. Okay. I was Bill like, Martin, I was like, yeah. it's a ba- It was like it's a basic name. Uh, anyways, they they, they were going to win. This was the year, right? They're going to get back-to-back titles. Patrick Ewing's going to get like the the guaranteed number one pick. He's going to go to New York. He's going to get another title. Everything was set up for this, and then they played Mark Titus on April Fool's Day. Oh, they, I didn't know that. They played on April Fool's Day. They played Villanova, a conference rival, Raleigh Massimino. They they knew this Georgetown team. They knew how to beat them. They had the the scattering report, and then they shot nine from ten from the field in the second half. They shot seventy nine percent as a team. Villanova did in this game. So like they basically did everything that was statistically impossible. You would say going into the game, they win by only two points. Mm-hmm. They keep Patrick Ewing from having this beautiful back-to-back run. Uh, and in my mind, if that happens, Pat Ewing, sometimes he gets viewed as like uh, not a winner because of the, the NBA career. Yeah. I think if he does the back-to-back and after this 85 year, then goes number one, we all remember it's like the, one of the best seasons individually in college basketball history. Instead, they lose to Villanova. It's a big upset moment. And all we talk about is that Villanova team and not that 85 Georgetown team. That's interesting. That's a good point. Patrick Ewing, what would his legacy be? Would that be enough to, yeah, shed the... Could, uh, could that change everything? Like the puppy yeah. dog, like sad eyes, like, oh, what could have Yeah, been? he always had that perception that he was just sort of a doofus staring off into the, the, to the distance and as yes. Michael Jordan dunks on him. It's, <laughs> yes. it's kind of like the... Uh, like Jordan was the savage and Ewing was just like Leonard Hamilton being asked by Dana Jacobs. He's like, huh? huh? Yeah, What's going yeah. on? Like that was always the perception with Patrick Ewing. But if he wins back-to-back titles, yeah, that's a great, that's a great point, Tate. Yeah, number three. One of the, the most perfect national title game ever played by the 85 Villanova Wildcats. I think you're, right, though. I think you're going to upset some people with that one. Yeah, but, uh, they're going to be very upset. I know exactly who's going to be upset. Your your list so far is basically you do not like the underdogs. You do not like the fluky, like, this. you don't like the teams that were low seeds that went on their runs. And um, you hate you hate, you hate hate those teams. You hate Sister Jean. Is this a Sister Jean situation? Yeah, yeah. It's, not that I, it's not that I hate them. It's just like, at the end of the day, the other team deserved it. You know, and yeah. we all know that. You know, like Houston yeah. deserved it. You know, Georgetown deserved it. And, it's, and it wouldn't have been as fun, obviously, because it's like, oh, of course. But yeah. if you look at, like, the annals of history, maybe it's just written differently. Um, my number three pick is the 1998 title game where Kentucky beat Utah by uh, eight, I believe. 
Um, mm. This the, there, there are a few reasons I have this one number three. I, honestly, if 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 you take all the bias out, I might have this at number one. But the my other two are kind of a little too close to home, so I probably have them both for that reason. Uh, but but Kentucky beats Utah Tate two NCAA tournaments in a row heading into this game. Utah loses in the Elite Eight ninety seven to Kentucky. They lose in the Sweet sixteen to ninety six to Kentucky. They're up ten at half on Kentucky. I remember this is the only national title game in my life that I fell asleep during because Utah was dominating so much. I was, I was, let's see, I was almost uh, 11 years old. I was 10 years old at the time watching this game. I fall asleep at halftime. I assume that Utah is going to run away with it. I wake up in the second half and Kentucky has the lead. And I asked my dad, what the hell happened? Why did you not wake me up? Um, it, it, it felt like, like if we go back in time and give Rick Majerus his title, Tate, that is mm-hmm. such a better story. And listen, I'm glad Tubby got it. Nothing against Tubby Smith. Um, but this is two years removed from Kentucky winning the 96 title with the best, one of the best teams of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kentucky wins at 96. In 97, they lose to Arizona in the title game. This is their third title game appearance in a row. This is a, uh, if Kentucky loses this game, there's not a Kentucky fan alive that's like, I mean, of course they would rather win the title, but none of them are doing are none of them would put this game on this list where they're like, man, that team was one of my favorites. They deserve to win. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I'm so heartbroken for those guys, whatever. I mean, their best player was Jeff Shepard. And Jeff Shepard's a good player, but like, does anybody care about Jeff Shepard outside of Kentucky Tate? The answer is no. <laughs> um, and that was the team that took down a Utah team that Keith Van Horn had left the year before. He wasn't on this Utah team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I sometimes I conflate that in my mind and, and and remember Keith Van Horn being on this team, but he wasn't. Uh, you had Doliak and Andre Miller and and some other guys you might remember, but uh, I don't know. This felt like Utah two years in a row. You lose to Kentucky. Now you get them in the title game. You're finally gonna you're finally gonna get over the hump. Rick Majerus is finally gonna get his title. It's all going to happen. It, it's going to happen. I think was Utah in the whack at the time? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they in the Mountain West? I don't I remember. Mountain, yeah, it was either whack or Mountain West. But remember. they were like a tiny school on the West Coast in Utah. Yeah. Like the whole story would have been awesome that this tiny ass uh, non-power conference team um, gets it done with the fat coach. That that I don't know. The, the whole story would have been great. And instead, Kentucky ruined everything and won their second title in three years yeah and it's uh for people that don't remember they beat utah beat north carolina upset north carolina who i thought mm-hmm. was the best team in 1998 and when utah beat north carolina in that game i was full on to pull for utah i'm like okay if you're gonna upset north carolina i'm all in i like rick jarris i like this utah team like they just gotta beat kentucky and like you said they were beating the brakes off of them early on and uh, i was so little like i don't i think i just watched the first half i don't remember like what happened? But I remember watching. You didn't realize they lost till I just told you right now. Yeah, like, no, I, they won. You're like, wait, what? I just remember <laughs> that Utah that team. Like, I had flipped such a switch, like 180 the other way. Like, I hated them so much. Like, I'm crying when they, you know, North Carolina lost. Like, I go from like mm-hmm. I'm six or seven, like six years old, and I'm like, I'm crying because North Carolina lost. And then I immediately was like, oh, we hate Kentucky. My dad was working at Bowling Green, Kentucky at the time. I was like, we don't like Kentucky. So it's like, all right, let's flip the switch. We're full Utah. And then they were beating them early. I'm like, okay. I, and I always remember Andre Miller, and it's funny that used to Keith Van Horn because I was literally going to say yeah and Keith Van Horn so I'm glad I didn't say that yeah yeah um, but yeah that uh that Utah team is like I feel like if you did a 30 for 30 or some sort of history on the that Utah era with Rick Majerus people would go crazy because it would be amazing yeah, yeah. it would be so good because like I said it wasn't just this wasn't a case of like the stars aligned for Utah and they got hot and they were yeah. good for one year I mean they were they, they had a really really good run and they lost a program they lost to Kentucky every single year and you're like man 
this would be great if they can finally beat Kentucky. Not only beat them, but beat them in the national championship. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. That was how it was supposed to happen. This was supposed to be Duke beating UNLV, getting their revenge type thing, um, where Utah finally gets over the Kentucky hump and everyone's happy and instead – the opposite happens. <laughs> and what, like, uh, here's the, the 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 stream out of that. So what happens to Tubby Smith, the way that we revere Tubby Smith? If oh, I think Tubby that? Smith, I think if he loses this game, I think a few years later, Kentucky fans run him out of Lexington. Mm-hmm. I think he goes to Minnesota, gets run out of there, goes to Texas Tech, gets fired. I think he just, like, hops around, keeps getting fired, and then ultimately ends up at high point. That's what I think. Ha- oh, oh wait. <laughs> wait a second. Huh? Huh? The exact huh? same thing. <laughs> huh, Dana? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I am glad. Like, uh, t- that's the one. That's the one redeeming thing from this is I, I do like Tubby, and I'm glad t- Tubby won. And I think it's cool that uh, Tubby Smith got a title before. Uh, you know, he get, he gets to to finally remember uh, winning a title in his career. But um, otherwise, yeah, that sucks. If I could un- if I could undo this and redo it, I would definitely give Utah the the title. Majerus needed a title for sure. Mm-hmm. He deserved a title. That's a good yeah. pick. Uh, my last two are together and they're also timeline related. So I'll go okay. for my, my second one is, uh, is related to the first one. So my second one is 2008, um, which is the Kansas bill self. Mario you really hate Danny Manning. This is perfect. You're, you're, you're just crapping all over <laughs> Danny Manning's titles, right? As we're about, we're having him on in no, five no, no, minutes. No. Tate, and you're, no, 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 no. <laughs> Here's here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I wanted the watershed moment for college basketball to happen. The one and done watershed moment should have happened in 2008, but instead it happened in 2003. So we're talking about 2008. So we're talking about Memphis and we're talking about Kansas and we're talking about the fact that the one and done era got co-signed and approved by college basketball five years before. And mm-hmm. uh, th- we'll talk about that later. But first, in 2008, this is Derrick Rose's year, in my opinion. I thought Memphis uh, and John Calipari, they were the ultimate like middle finger to the Blue Bloods. They're like, this is college basketball. People like Derrick Rose are not going to be going to Duke and North Carolina or Kansas or UCLA. Like They're going to go to Memphis or to wherever Coach Cal is or anyone that is Coach Cal-like. Like, Where is Rick Stansberry? He's going to get these kids and they're going to compete for titles. So I found that fascinating because I thought that it opened the doors up, it opened the floodgates college basketball of, oh my goodness, like anyone could come here with the best player. Michael Beasley in Kansas State would be another example of that, right? And so anyways, Derek Rose is like, there was all these reports coming to school. It's like, oh, Derrick Rose like didn't take the SAT. Derrick Rose didn't couldn't go to Duke. Because, like there was all this like bad trash talk about Derrick Rose going to the season, and then he just comes in, in my opinion, and is just lights out basketball player. Like just has a feel for the game where I'm like, oh man, this guy is something else. Like this Memphis team is something else. Coach Calipari, there's something else, and like they're playing a different game. Chris Douglas Roberts and all these guys, like they don't seem like they care about the institution. It's very Fab Five mentality sort of thing. And they go to the title game. They're playing against this Kansas team that is looking for that title to sort of you know, 20 years since 1988. We want to validate who we are as a blue blood. We want to validate the fact that we are Kansas basketball, yada, yada, yada. And we're going against Coach Cal, the outsider, quote unquote, as he likes to call himself at the time. We got Derrick Rose, this freshman, and they missed a bunch of free throws. It was like a, and then obviously Mario Chalmers hits this amazing shot. We go to overtime. We all know the rest of history. And I don't want to take that away because I love Mario Chalmers, and I mm-hmm. think that was a big moment. But if Derrick Rose and Memphis wins the title that year, they're the first one-and-done team to kind of like come in, make the noise, they win the title. 
then the 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 fallout from that is so fascinating to me because from there coach Calipari has all the chips right he's like I am like I don't yeah. need a blue blood like he did his coach Cal documentary where he was like I had to go to Kentucky or North Carolina all these places to get co-signed so I could be one of those guys I think if he wins the title in OA he doesn't need that anymore maybe he stays at Memphis and is just like mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna blow this thing all the way to the roof like I'm mm. gonna have a platoon system at Memphis like I'm gonna just this is who we are. This is what we do. Blow it out. And that's like sort of the new age of one and done. And it starts there in 2008. Uh, I think Derek Rose and Cal could have done that. I think it saves Cal from going to Kentucky. I think we get like, I would like John Calipari so much more if he was doing this, like what he was doing at Kentucky in 2012. He was doing it at Memphis. I don't know yeah. why, but I would have. And, and uh, Memphis, so like, yeah. Memphis is in the ACC <laughs> this timeline. Like Memphis finds their way into the yeah memphis takes, they take pittsburgh spot in the acc there's something poetic though about uh all that year cal getting asked about free throws and he's like no nah, we're good this yeah, little, we're, yeah. We're, we're good we're good we're good and then they lose because they didn't make a free throw all they had to do was make one free throw and they couldn't make it um that's that's kind of funny yeah <laughs> it is kind of funny but it's a good pick I, I i i like where you're going with that i think in a vacuum the 08 game kansas winning was was awesome because uh all those same like can they do, I mean, like we said, it's been 20 years since Kansas won. They, they were kind of just looking for their, their, uh, it, it was kind of the, the same thing as, uh, um, Carolina where, uh, they, they, they're obviously a great program, but like, man, it's been a, it's been a weird run. Roy can never get over the hump at Kansas. And now Bill Self's taken over and he's had some good teams, but yep. like, does it matter? Uh, yeah. Like where would Bill Self be if he doesn't win in 08, you know? Oh my God. He would have definitely gotten fired. Right. Exactly. If he would have kept having one yeah. seeds and then never wins a national title at some point. Or, or, or if he goes back in 2012 and they lose to Kentucky. You know what I mean? Then yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, even when we go, like he loses the cow twice. Like he loses yeah. the cow in 08 in Memphis and he loses again in Kentucky. Yeah. It's like, uh, it, that's a nightmare. So in a vacuum, I like that Kansas won. But uh, as far as like the, the story, the overall arc of college basketball, if Memphis wins that, that's very fascinating to think about. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, my number, number two. two, my number two is 2010. Uh, the Gordon Hayward shot not going in, and it's not even just the shot. It's Butler. It's um, it, it's playing in Indianapolis State. It's having Butler playing down the road from their campus in Indianapolis against the most hated program in college basketball. Like it could not be scripted anymore. Better. Uh, the, and, and not not even just that. The head coach of Butler was from Zionsville, Indiana. Brad Stevens. He's from just down the road from where they were playing. The best player on the team is Gordon Hayward. He is from just down the road. It is. It was a very, very local feel. The entire state of Indiana was behind Butler. Even the I, this was back when like people thought Butler was like a fun little story, and they weren't like good enough to really actually challenge IU and Purdue. So like mm-hmm. IU and Purdue fans were kind of getting behind them. And now I think you'll find more IU and Purdue fans like kind of hate Butler, but. Um, <laughs> Everyone was rallying behind it. It's, it's taking place in, in in Indianapolis, and if you had to pick one program that you would want to see David take down, the Goliath mm-hmm. would have to be Duke. Mm-hmm. It, it was all set up for. I'm not even just talking about the one shot. Like obviously, that's the one moment that everyone turns to. It's like, man, what if Gordon Hayward's half court shot would have gone in? Uh, Butler was playing him well the whole game. This was not a case of like Butler was down eight with with a minute and a half left and went on a furious run to have a chance at the end. Like they were playing. Do close the entire game. A couple possessions get flipped a, d- a different way, and and Butler wins it. Uh, and and it's the opposite. Duke's Duke needs a miracle at the buzzer to beat Butler or something. Um, I don't know the, the the Duke team too. I think like the fact that 
it was a very forgettable Duke team just in the sense of uh, there weren't guys that, that if, if you, if you stop someone on the street and ask them to name people on the 2010 Duke team, I think people would struggle to do so. I mean, you and I remember, you know, we, we remember Nolan Smith and John Shire and Kyle Singler and, do you remember that Lance Brian Thomas? Zubek? That's all you need to know. The most moving screens ever set in a Final Four, Brian Zubek. Do you remember that Lance Thomas was on that team? Because it's weird how uh, people don't mention how Lance Thomas was on that team. I wonder why that is, Tate. Mm-hmm. I wonder why Lance Thomas doesn't get talked about more as being mm. a very integral part of that 2010 Duke title team, huh? No, they're, 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 <laughs> let's get it back to Zubek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, the Duke team was good. Again, this is not a case of me saying that Duke wasn't good enough to, to like, Duke didn't deserve I'm not doing the Tate thing where it's like Duke mm. played the perfect game and that's the only reason they won and um, mm. like you've been doing with Villanova and NC State and mm. some of these others mm-hmm. Duke, Duke was a very good team it was just man the stars had a line for for Butler to, to win and uh, it sucks they didn't let me just say this if Gordon Hayward had called bank the ball goes yeah. in they win the title and it's one of those things where if you're Butler and you're supposed to win on fundamentals Gordon you shoot that shot you yell bank it goes in. It's the it's the bank before the bang of Jay Wright. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, man, Gordon Hayward is clutch. Jordan Gordon Hayward is college basketball. He's the Jimmy Chitwood of college basketball. Mm-hmm. None of it happened. I don't think anything really changes though. What's interesting about that that gets that gets tabbed as like the big what if in college basketball history. But I don't think uh, the timeline of things or, or the landscape of college basketball really changes at all. I mean, go, yeah. if Gordon makes the shot, Butler wins the title. That's cool. They get to hang a banner. Duke gets a banner taken away from him. But Brad Stevens is still going to the NBA. He's still looking around and saying, like, he probably goes to the NBA after that season versus waiting another season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gordon was still going to the NBA as well. He, was, I mean, he's like, I have nothing left to, left to prove here. Um, Duke would have been fine. It's not like Coach K would have been, you know, it's not like that starts the. Oh, it does. So that was what, the, what, what, that what was, changes with Duke. That was the restart of Duke. That was, they won but that. They already title. won. Yeah. No, no, no. They won that title in 2010. And then Coach K is like, I will never be able to win with a team that bad again. Let's go fully into this world. Kyrie Irving, you're up next, my but guy. You, but don't you think he does that? If they lose, he's still doing that. Where he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe I played Brian Zubek all those minutes. I can't let that happen again. I'm doing all the way. I in. mean, the yeah. fact of the matter is he was already doing that because he thought that team in 2010 had no shot at winning a title. And then they yeah. ended up winning a title. So it was like, a, it was just like, a, it was funny because Harrison Barnes was the number one player in the country. He committed in the fall of 2009. Carolina won the title, beat everybody by 20 points in the tournament, was by far the best team in the tournament. The fall, they get the number one player in the country who was destined to go to duke the next you know grant hill he decides to go to north carolina everything yeah. was looking bad for duke it was like all downhill it was like it was like <laughs> oh man duke's dead like they have nothing like who are they leaning on john shire the worst version of jj reddick that's great and then they somehow made this magical run and like you said it like it flipped everything the other way i don't know how it happened uh but i wish gordon would have made that shot yeah um, that's a good yeah. number two okay go ahead you're number one all right, number one for me, 2003 team. Carmelo Anthony comes in. Uh, he is uh, obviously top player in the country. Everyone's excited about it, yada, yada, yada. But there was a team in Lawrence, Kansas, with a coach by the name of Roy Williams who had guys that have been in the trenches, been through it all, Kirk Heinrich, Nick Collison. Um, and it was one of those years where, like you said, we talked about Kansas. They're trying to get every, every big program as we got the 21st century. They all had like this clock of like, when do we get our title in the 21st century so mm-hmm. we can validate the fact that we are, you know, quote unquote, this dynastic program. Like how Texas football, I think the big thing was before Vince Young won it, they had a comma. In the stadium, they had all their national championships yeah. listed. And then after the last one, it had a comma. And it was a big thing about how like the comma mm-hmm. signifies that there's going to be another one. And yes. when is that next one coming? When do we yes. finally get a, yeah. 
Yeah. And everyone's freaking out about that because the last one that you got in 1988 was like we said, uh, it was a magical run. It was it was a miracle, quote unquote. So people are going crazy. Roy Williams is on the hot seat a little bit in the sense that like there was all these rumors going into the tournament. Oh, is he going to leave? Is he going to take the North Carolina job? There's a rumor that Dean Smith flew out to Lawrence, Kansas to talk to him about the North Carolina job. That's crazy. What's going on? He is doing uh, the opposite of that, which is basically like, I hate North Carolina. I will not go to North <laughs> Carolina. Uh, I love Nick Collison. I love Kirk Heinrich, which was a tough time for North Carolina fans because, you know, people had heard all these things as well. And, you know, all this is happening, right, in the world. And then you got Carmelo Anthony in Syracuse, and you got a team that is uh, hell-bent on running a zone. And if there's anything you know about me, I hate zone defenses. I think that they are the most gimmicky, stupid thing you can do in sports, and I don't, I don't respect it. I don't think it's a – Oh, golly, is that you? Is that you, Doug? Yeah, <laughs> not a, not a fan of the zone. So, anyways, like that's what Syracuse was. They're a Big East team. It was like a, the antithesis of how I res, like wanted to play basketball or would ru- would run a team that played basketball, right? So all these things are all floating up in my mind is like this perfect moment. And Roy Williams going to that game, he can get his veteran guys a championship, and then he can get them to graduate, and then he can leave on on a good note. You know, that's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Anyways, all this happens. Uh, they lose to Syracuse. They lose to a guy that shoots 47% from behind the arc. A one-and-done guy in Carmelo Anthony. Uh, it was a, a, a something we hadn't seen in college basketball. And it also, in my mind, sort of changed the, the game a little bit in the sense that, oh, we can run stupid zone and just have a, the best player on the floor and we can win a title. Mm-hmm. Great. Like, that wasn't really the recipe in college <laughs> basketball. Um, and I think that recipe, if it starts five years later in 2008 with Derrick Rose – I'm totally fine with that, but I think it started in 2003 as far as people believing that is the setup. It left Roy Williams in a very difficult position to lose in a title game and then basically have to say, screw you to Kansas and then go to North Carolina. They win that game. It's a lot easier of, uh, you know, pill the the Band-Aid off for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like we won the title. I got these guys a championship. These are my guys, and now I'm moving on. Everyone's happy. Um, In that sense, that would have been great. Um, and then the fallout is Jim Beheim never wins a title, and the zone yeah. doesn't get any sort of credit ever. And that's like best case scenario for me if you extrapolate it all. Well, interestingly, I think if 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 Roy wins in 03, then Kansas doesn't win in 08 because I don't think exactly Roy, they, don't, they don't win in 08. They don't. Yeah, win Roy doesn't feel guilty about leaving Kansas, and then he doesn't just lay over in the 08 Final Four game. And then, exactly. And then two days later, uh, where. Kansas member Kansas sticker on a shirt in the mm-hmm. crowd um cheer- with Larry Brown he and Larry yeah. Brown <laughs> they both went to North Carolina <laughs> cheering for the team that just kicked his ass <laughs> uh it was terrible uh, yeah that's a good pick all right I, I'm with you on that one um I don't I don't hate the just just so we're clear I don't hate Jim Beheim in the zone as much as you do so Syracuse fans don't not, don't let me on the tape um look but- it's it's fine. It worked. I'm saying in my version of this, then it wouldn't have worked. And then everyone could say, man, running a zone is really stupid. Like yeah. we always said before, but this validated the whole, the whole process. Yeah. Uh, my number one is uh, it could only be this. It is 2007. Um, and I might be slightly biased eight, but uh, that result is horseshit. And it always will mm-hmm. be the 2007 who played. I forget. It was Florida and somebody Ohio yeah, state. Yeah, yeah. The, the good guys. guys, the good guys. Um, so Ohio State, the best team in the country all year. All the experts were saying it. They were saying, can, has anyone seen a team this dominant from from one to thirteen on the end of the bench? They have the best end of the bench player in the country. They have the best best player in the country. We've never seen a team built like this. That's what all the experts were saying all year. Uh, and then the Buckeyes in this game, Tate, go four for twenty three from the three point line. 
with one of the all-time great shooters in program history buried at the end of the bench, never gets his chance, mm-hmm. never gets to see the court to show what he could do. I think mm-hmm. you get a coach uh, who's not a coward running the show in this game, and and maybe, I don't know, when the team is like four for 19, he, he says, wow, we can't hit shit. And he turns mm-hmm. to the end of the bench, he's like, Let's just roll the dice a little bit and see. Let's throw this wild card in and see what happens. Uh, you know, Thad Mata did not do that, and I'm not putting all the blame on him. I'm just saying, maybe a better coach would have Tate, mm-hmm. and uh, yep. that's why this is number one on my list. I also want to say Florida won the title in '06 mm-hmm. and brought back all five starters, and like for some reason, people celebrate that. That is total horseshit. That is that should be illegal. That is. Um, unprecedented in college basketball history, as far as I know, whether it is or not, doesn't matter. I, I reject the reality and accept my own mm-hmm. version of, of reality. And that's the only time it's ever happened. I think there needs to be a rule put in place. When I'm NCAA president, I will put a rule in place. If you win a national title, one of your starters has to go to the NBA. It's only fair. It's not mm-hmm. fair to the rest of the country. And Florida cheated, and that's what they did. They brought back all five starters, and we all know it to be true, and it's bullshit, and that's that. So, yeah. That's perfect. And I will say this. If we take my number one, your number one, we create that reality. Anyways, Roy Williams, he leaves a little bit later. Bill Self stays at Illinois for a couple more years. And then he decides, you know what? I'm going to go to Ohio State and I'm going to get, uh, you know, this guy, Greg, go to Mike Conley to come. And then he's going to have you at the end of the bench. And he's going to say, you know what? I need a miracle right now. And he's going to look mm-hmm. down at you and he's like, I really need a miracle, Mark. And then you hit the shot. It's Mark's miracle. Mark's miracle, yeah. In 2007. It's a year ahead. And uh, and then 08 Carolina wins. And then they win in 09 again to get the back to back there. This is a way better version of college basketball if I could do this. Because then you win in 07. Carolina wins 08, 09. Gordon wins in 2010. Yep. Kimba wins 2011. And, yep. and, and everyone's happy. And think about where I would be now, <laughs> Tate. Instead, I'm here in my apartment mm-hmm. uh, uh, talking to you about nonsense. And yes. Think yes. about <laughs> what my life could have became instead of this garbage. Yes. Damn. Yes. Damn. <laughs> Damn. 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 <laughs> so that's the, it. So you're you're the zone uh, does it again. <laughs> your top five. You have number one, oh three, number two, two thousand eight, number three, nineteen eighty five, number four, nineteen eighty eight, number five, nineteen eighty three. My five is oh seven, twenty ten, nineteen ninety eight, twenty fifteen, and two thousand five. Those are our list. That was fun. Fun little exercise. Anything else to put a bow on it before you get to Coach Manning? All the people that did win the national championships, obviously we respect and we think they yeah. were great moments. We just wanted different. Except for Florida in 07. I did not <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, that's, that's, that's right. I forgot about I'm the five guys that came back. We have no – if you win a title with five guys, don't come back. That's What, we what are you scared of? That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. if you win – like, that's so cowardly too. Like, you win a title – go move on. Like, move on. What, what, are you trying to, what are you trying to get held back in eighth grade again? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like you go, oh, congratulations! You had an undefeated football team in eighth grade. Now you want to get now you go to your teacher and you're like, hold me back! I don't want to mm-hmm. go to high school. Put me back in eighth grade. It's like, mm-hmm. what? Wait, so you can go undefeated again? Who gives a shit? Go to the mm-hmm. NBA. Get out of here. We don't want to mm-hmm. see you anymore. It's selfish. It's, it's cowardly. It's like it's like The Sopranos. Get over it. Find a new show. <laughs> yes. You know? Find a yeah. new show. Um, all right, that's it. Th- those are our list. Uh, now let's talk to Danny Manning. Here it is. Our interview with Coach of Wake Forest, Danny Manning. All right, quick break to talk about Coors Light. Tate, do you ever feel like you are always on? Do you ever feel like you're just just always wired and you just need to calm down? You need yes, to chill. right now during a podcast, I feel all those R- things. Yeah. How right do I stop? Second. How do I stop this? A lot of stressors in life, Tate. There's a lot going on in the world. I'm not sure if you're paying attention to the news. Uh, what do you do when you need a moment to chill, Tate? How do you like to hit the reset button and get ready for what's next? Mm. My favorite way to chill is simple. I walk to my refrigerator. I I make sure the mountains are blue. 
I grab a silver bullet, I crack it open, and I suck one down. I crack open an ice-cooled Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is brewed with the three-step cold process. Cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, so it's actually made to chill. The mountains on Coors Light cold-activated bottles and cans turn blue when chilled to perfection. Coors Light is born in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado in 1978. It is refreshing. It is crisp. And here's the best part, Tate. You know this. I'm watching Mm. my figure. It is only 102 calories. Very easy in these times of quarantine to pack on the LBs, just be drinking maybe three or four beers when you only meant to have one or two. Coors Light, only 102 calories. Helps you out in that regard. Uh, That's why Coors Light is the one I choose when I need a moment to chill. So when you want to reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. You can even have Coors Light delivered straight to your door by going to get.coorslight.com and finding local delivery options near you. That is right, folks. Sit on your couch. Do not break your quarantine. Do not be part mm-hmm. of the problem. Just sit there. Go to get.coorslight.com and have Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Drink a Coors Light and be a hero. That's, those are great words. I, I appreciate that. I support that. Before we get to Danny Manning, we also have to talk about another sponsor, LinkedIn. When it's time to hire, I know that finding the right person for your company can be challenging. This is especially true in a small business where every employee truly impacts the organization. So when you are ready to find the next hire, LinkedIn can help. LinkedIn Jobs matches your role with qualified candidates so you can find the right person quickly. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with 675 million members worldwide. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond just hard skills and puts your job posts in front of qualified candidates every day. So it's seen by people looking for jobs just like yours. That's why companies rate LinkedIn jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Those are facts. Find the right person for your business with LinkedIn jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash Titus. Again, that's that's linkedin.com slash Titus to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. On to Danny Manning. Joining us now is the head coach of your Wake Forest Demon Deacons. He is a college basketball legend, Mm -hmm. the 1988 national champion, 1988 player of the year, if, if, if a trophy existed in 1988, this man won it. Uh, it is Danny Manning. Coach, I want to start here. You are, you are a Division I head basketball coach. That means you are always busy. You are always working. You are always on the road, always doing something. And yet the entire country is basically shut down and everyone's saying stay home. <laughs> what, how hard is it for you? What is life like for you these days as a, as a head basketball coach? Um, Give, give people an idea of what it's like to be a Division One coach during a quarantine when you're not supposed to really be doing anything. Well, Mark and Tate, the, the bottom line is this. I'm going to pull out my cell phone. This is, this is, the, this is the lifeline right now. <laughs> uh, trying to stay connected to our players, mm-hmm. um, trying to stay connected to our recruits that we're reaching out to and the different conference calls and things of that nature. So it is a, uh, it's a busy time, you know. So, you know, first of all, just hoping that everyone is staying safe and making healthy decisions, and hopefully we can get through this as soon as possible. Absolutely, Coach. And we, we want to point out, like you said, you know, we're, you're at Wake Forest, you're in Winston-Salem, but, uh, you know, a lot of people know you from Kansas and being in Lawrence and that whole experience. But I am from North Carolina, and I like to remind people that you are a Greensboro High School North Carolina legend as well. So uh, I just wanted to point that out to the people. And can you talk about the difference between maybe Lawrence, Kansas, and Greensboro, North Carolina? Those are both like hallowed grounds of college basketball as far as the cities themselves. We'll definitely want to give a shout out to Page High School in Greensboro, North Carolina, um, and also the other high school I went to, Lawrence High in uh, Lawrence, Kansas. 
Um, you know what, it's a little bit different from the standpoint of uh, in this area, you know, you have four major conference schools within an hour and a half of each other. Mm -hmm. And so that's just a lot of, a lot of energy circling amongst all those schools in this area. Um, in Lawrence, Kansas is, is the show, you know, just mm -hmm. to be honest with you. In Lawrence, Kansas, it's, it's all about KU. And so, um, you know, moving there was, was different, but it was also a great experience for me, something I'm very thankful for. But this area is a, uh, as you know, it's a huge hotbed for, for college basketball or basketball in general. For that mm -hmm. matter. We, we have a lot of younger listeners that might not know your entire story other than just sort of you, you kind of led Kansas to the 88 title. But uh, I, I think Tate mentioning that you're from North Carolina, you moved to Kansas. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Your dad got, got a job coaching with Larry Brown at Kansas, and that kind of was the impetus behind the move. Um, so with that in mind, Coach, w w was there ever any doubt that you're going to Kansas? Like, what, what would your dad have done if you moved, if the whole family moved to Lawrence? <laughs> you're, you're this big recruit. Like, the, it, it seems like a no-brainer, and then you're like, Dad, I think I want to go to Texas or something. Uh, <laughs> was it always like, did you ever have any choice uh, to, to go anywhere else, or was Kansas like pretty much a done deal the moment your dad took that job? I had a choice. Um, okay. you know, there, were, there were a couple of schools that continued to recruit me um, when we moved to Kansas. And, um, you know, it, it was a tough decision, you know, leaving this area that I, I grew up in, that I became very fond of, just in regards to the ACC. I mean, that was a league that I grew up watching on Jefferson Pilot back in the day. Uh, and for me, Wake Forest was actually the closest school to me because Wake Forest played their home games in the Greensboro Coliseum. And so I had a chance to uh, – follow those guys in, in the paper and, and on the local news quite a bit. And uh, so, but to answer your question, uh, I, I had a, I had a, opportunities to go other places, um, but there was a strong lean towards Kansas. Yeah. yeah. I imagine so. I, imagine so. <laughs> I, I would imagine so. And coach, I have to ask you because you leave the, like you said, those four prime power conference schools in North Carolina, you go to Lawrence, Kansas. What was the reaction of a Dean Smith or a coach Chesky or any of these guys that were there at the time? I mean, were they losing their minds that you were leaving North Carolina? They were, they were, that you were, you know, getting outside of the state. Well, like I said, there are only a few coaches, only a couple actually that continued to recruit me once we moved. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, telling those guys no was, uh, was, was tough um, because they were, they were well-known coaches and um, it, was, it was a tough decision. But like I said, I'm, I'm very thankful and blessed for the decision that was made. You know, go to Kansas, fortunate enough to win a championship, uh, graduate, meet my wife, start my family. Um, it was home for me every year in the offseason for 15 years when I was fortunate enough and blessed enough to play in the NBA. So, Kansas has been uh, been a great place for me. So uh, we, we've talked about that '88 season and the run, um, especially this time of year. Uh, it gets it gets a lot of play about how you uh, kind of carried the. First of all, how do you feel about that? That when when everyone talks about the '88 tournament run, it's basically it's Danny and the Miracles. It's 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 now been as a guy who I was born in '87, so I obviously don't really remember it. Um, how do your teammates feel about this? How do you feel about this whole the, the story of the 88 run has now taken a life of its own where it's like you guys weren't even good at all. You just got lucky during that run and you played out of your mind for three weeks. And that's pretty much what the story has become. <laughs> yeah, that's what the story has become. But um, going into the season, we were preseason number one in a lot of people's polls. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't like the name Danny and the Miracles, to be honest with you, just because basketball is a team sport. And my teammates did a great job of doing a lot of different things out there on the court. We all sacrificed. And, um, you know, we played for a Hall of Fame coach and Coach Brown that won a championship at the NBA level and also the collegiate level. And um, 
he came up and devised a game plan for us to go out and execute, and we were able to do that. But, um, you know, we were, we were the best team. I mean, we weren't the most talented. Uh, we weren't the most athletic. But we all sacrificed for one another to put ourselves in a situation to, to have some success, and uh, we're very fortunate for that. Yeah, it's one of those things where everyone wants to bring up, you know, the 11 losses. You know, it's the most losses of a national championship team. But at the end of the day, we know that you're better than the 83 NC State team. We can all we can all agree on that uh, as we as we sit here. Uh, but aside from that, Coach, uh, <laughs> I want to ask you about your coach, Larry Brown. Um, I, I think, like you said, he's the only coach that won a professional and a college uh, championship. And, and he has so much basketball knowledge. What was one thing that you learned from Coach Brown at that, that young age to sort of pass on as you are a coach now? Well, it's funny. Uh, a lot of us guys that are in the coaching now, you know, we, we find ourselves saying a lot of different things to our teams that Coach Brown said to us. Mm-hmm. He always used to say, um, today's another day to be great, kiddo. <laughs> today's another day to be great. And, then, you know, when you're in, in college, you kind of you hear it, but you really don't hear it. Mm-hmm. And now that's something that we, we share with our guys. You know, today's another opportunity. Today, tomorrow's not promised. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure that you take advantage of today and uh, use it to the best of your ability. And that's something that we share with our guys uh, on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, just a lot of different things that he threw out to us, you know, in terms of making the game easier for someone else, going out there and and trying to find ways to make your teammates better. And these are all things that we continue to echo to the teams that we coach now. Your your entire coaching career has been spent in college. As Tate said, uh, the guy you played for, Larry Brown, was a dipped his toes in the NBA back at college, all that sort of thing. You obviously had a, a lengthy NBA career. Um, and I imagine you've had opportunities if you wanted to, to coach in the NBA. What is it about college basketball that, that draws you to it that makes you want to coach uh, in college versus doing it in the NBA? Well, for me, when I retired from the NBA after 15 years uh, of playing, I wanted to provide more stability for my, for my family, just to be honest with you. My son was in fourth grade, had been in the same school for a whole year yet. My daughter was in sixth grade. And I just wanted to make sure that we placed down our roots and give them a chance to uh, go through junior high and, and high school before I started even getting into the, to, the, to the coaching aspect of it. And so for me, that was a big part of it. And also I got a great opportunity to go work for Bill Self back at Kansas. Mm-hmm. He created a position for me to come onto the staff, gave me an opportunity to learn the business. And um, I'm very fortunate for that. And then once my kids got out of high school, that's when I started looking for different opportunities to become a head coach. Uh, but to answer your question, um, I wanted to provide my family more stability throughout my, my children's um, school years. Yeah, absolutely. And coach, that means you went back in 03, right, to, to join the, the staff, or 04 with uh, Coach Self. And then you were there uh, all the way up into the 08 title game, obviously. Um, you talked about the experience you got and what you learned. Like, what was that initial position that, you know, Coach Self created for you? And then what was that growth process like to be able to become an assistant coach, and then obviously be able to become a head coach at Tulsa, you know, a few years down the road? Well, for me, it was a director of student athlete development. And um, just gave me a chance to, to see the business up close and personal. Um, from there, kind of went to the operations, director of operations area, and then into an assistant coach's role. And very thankful for that because I got a chance to see it from the ground level up. I got a chance to see everything that goes into it from what the managers are doing on a daily basis all the way up through the head coach. And so for me, that experience has been invaluable because – I have an idea of what everybody's going through in my program. Do you feel like there's a, a, a stigma of uh, 
you you being such a great player, there, there's a trend in college basketball now. I, I'm sure you're aware that that a lot of programs are hiring great players. Most of them are alums, like Patrick Ewan at Georgetown, say Penny Hardaway at Memphis. Um, and and I feel like there might be a stigma amongst fans of guys who were great players might not necessarily be great coaches. And there's this idea of like it's almost like the better the player you were, like you have this aura around you as a player that it's hard to be taken seriously as a coach. Because I mean, we're guilty of a coach. Like you came on our show, and all we wanted to talk to you was about the the Kansas your, your time at Kansas and 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 all that sort of stuff. Because that's what we're fascinated by. Do you feel that as a coach of like a, a pressure to to kind of shed this former life of of being an NBA player, of being a a legend at Kansas, and now take me seriously as a head coach, or am I making too much of this? To me, I think you're making too much of it because at the end of the day, 95% of the kids playing college basketball aren't going to play in the NBA. They're going to need their degrees. They're going to need their degrees to function in life. And if you're fortunate enough to get to the NBA, there's only going to be a handful of guys that make enough money where they're not going to have to do anything when they get done. And so for me and then all the other guys that are coaching and the former players, we understand this. We know how hard it is to be a professional player in the NBA. We know what it takes. We understand that. And um, a lot of times in the big picture, a lot of people don't get that. And so for us as coaches, we want to win games. We want to be successful in college, no question about it, because there's a huge competitive drive for all of us. But we also know that we got to help prepare our young people for life after basketball because the ball is going to stop bouncing um, sooner than later. And coach, one example of that, I mean, one of the guys that I look to in your program and he came up with, you know, the Dennis Smith juniors and some of those guys that were able to go straight to the pros, you know, after one year in college basketball, well, that's Brandon Childress. And obviously he's the son of Randolph who's on staff with you, but he, he spends four years at Wake Forest. And like I said, he came up with the Harry Giles of the world and he saw all those guys be the one and done type talents, but he hunkered down at Wake Forest, spent four years, had a great career. He had the, the big, you know, double overtime win over Duke this year at home. That was a big moment. So what is it like to have a four-year guy like Brandon to point to and say, this is a, a Wake Forest basketball player? Well, I think for me, when I was in college, that's what we all were. We're all <laughs> four-year guys. You know what I mean? From that, from that aspect. I think mm -hmm. um, times have changed without question. And for us, the growth of Brandon is kind of what college is all about. Mm -hmm. You know, he came in as a freshman and he got a chance to, to, to get on the court a little bit. Sophomore year, got a little bit bigger taste. Junior year, he's running the show. Sophomore, senior year, he's running the show. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the evolution and growth when guys come in and continue to, to stack years and get better and better. Um, we're in an era now of instant gratification, instant <laughs> everything. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't always work. Um, and so for us to be able to work with somebody day in and day out for four years, help them build their skills, help them get prepared for all the different curveballs that life's going to throw them. That's the most important thing at the end of the day. You know, I think Brandon's experience or any four-year player's experience will help prepare him for whatever walk of life he chooses. Uh, you, you mentioned we're in an era of instant gratification. Uh, if, if you were coming up now and you were Danny Manning, the player, uh, graduating high school in 2020, how different is, is recruiting now versus how it was back then? I know, obviously, we talked about, like, you know, dad uh, being on Kansas staff kind of probably made your recruitment even back then a little different than, than a typical player uh, in, the, in the early 80s. Um, but what's the biggest difference? Could, can you even limit it to one of recruiting <laughs> guys as on the, being on the coaching side of things now versus uh, being a player coming up? I think social media is the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. um, you know, guys – Went to the gym, worked out, dedicated like they are now. 
I just think the amount of attention that the, the cell phone brings and the social devices bring just changes the game, just to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, and for us as coaches, it's, it's something that we definitely use. It's something that we use to vet the process in terms of finding out about a lot of individuals because there are a lot of guys that you can go on their social media and look at and um, realize that maybe this isn't such a great fit or maybe it is a great fit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm curious because we I think we all know how it could go bad. I know how we know we know how <laughs> social media could be we could be bad. What could possibly be good out of social media? What, what how could you look at a high school kid social media profile and and something's good there? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you're watching to see what they're following, what they're liking, mm -hmm. um, things of that nature. Um, those those can uh, can throw some caution in the wind with some of the likes that that you see. But, on some of the social media following <laughs> that some of these guys have. And, you know, a lot of it too is a lot of them just don't, don't know any better, just to be honest with you. They're, it's a song that they like, or it's a movie that they like, or, or something along those lines. So, you know, a lot of it is, um, you know, for us, when our guys come in, we take their social media and, and we, we run through all of it and we try to show them all the red flags. Hey, you like this? It has this type of connotation to it. Or, you didn't like this. So, you know, those are the types of things that we try to do to educate our guys. But the majority of the guys that walk in the door, um, they have to clean up their social media just because of the things that they follow in life. Yeah. It, it coaches is a red flag is like, say you find a guy you're like, this is like, let's say it's Jalen Horde, however many years ago. And you're like three years ago, you're like Jalen Horde's a guy we want to bring here. We like him. And then you look at his Instagram and every single day he's like putting workout videos up. Is, it, is, that, is that a red flag where you're like, how's this guy already have all these workout videos up? Is he actually working out or is that something you like? Um, well, you, you like to see anytime uh, anybody of work they're going to put out there. You know, a lot of it is, you want it to be a continuous workout. You don't want it to be mm -hmm. clipped out and just show all the makes. You know what I mean? Like, hey, hold on I know you missed a couple shots. You know, you're in the gym for an hour and a half. You didn't miss any shots. What's going on with that? So you know, that's the biggest thing is making sure that it's, it's, a, it's a clean run. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I, I got to ask you, uh, b before we let you go, um, you, you had a legendary Clippers career. You, you were like the OG L.A. Clipper. Um, are you, is any part of you upset that it's cool to play for the Clippers now? I mean, like you, you were drafted number one overall. You had, you had to play like your era of the Clippers was, uh, you know, the, the, the era where you're overshadowed by the Lakers and kind of, um, because of you, what I'm saying is like, you kind of helped build the Clippers and then Elton Brand comes along they have like the era in the early 2000s. Now all of a sudden it's cool to play for the Clippers. The LA, there are, there are arguments about it. Are the Clippers cooler than the Lakers? Does any part of that upset you as a guy who had to, to spend so many years in LA on the, the uncool Clippers? Not at all. You know, I've got a chance to play in LA. I got a chance to play in the NBA. Uh, and for me growing up, that, that was a goal. So very fortunate and blessed to get to that level. And, um, you know, when you get to the NBA, there are a lot of different things that go through your mind. But one of the biggest things is, hey, I want to show people day in and day out I belong in this league. Mm -hmm. I want to show people day in and day out I can compete at a high level. So that's your thought process when you're walking in the door and trying to help your team win and be successful. And, uh, you know, we had some teams there that, uh, you know, got made some playoff runs and uh, had a lot of fun. But, you know, for me, it was a great experience to, to go to L.A. as a 21-year-old kid with a little money in my pocket and 
<laughs> it was I enjoyed it. LA <laughs> was slightly different than Lawrence, Kansas and Greensboro, North Carolina. Is that what you're saying? Just a little. Just a little. Just a little. A few more, few more restaurants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a few more restaurants. Uh, coach, you talked about like proving day to day in the NBA that you belong. One of those guys that's been able to do that is John Collins, who was at Wake Forest with you, obviously. I call him John the Baptist. Uh, and I think he's probably one of the most underrated guys that we've seen in the league that's come out in the past few years. It, when you had the conversation with him, you know, before he decided to make the leap to the NBA. Did you did you have that same, you know, you got to prove day to day or did you expect him to take the leap when he did? Like, what was that conversation like? Because you've been there before with these guys. Well, for John, when he walked in the door, he was an extremely hard worker for us. And uh, he put in extra work. He put in the time. and He did a lot of different things to put himself in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the one thing for us, we didn't need him to shoot long jump shots. We didn't need him to shoot threes when he's with us. Mm-hmm. So he didn't shoot a lot. We have other guys to do that. He's expanded his range now. Yeah. Um, professionally he's shooting threes now but that's where the game is going for all big guys been able to step out on the floor and stretch the defense but John's a great kid he's an extremely hard worker and I'm very happy and proud of his, his success but it, it's not surprising me because he puts in the time he puts in the effort and he's very dedicated mm-hmm. nice Coach, I had, this is my final question I have for you. Uh, so you played for Larry Brown. You said uh, Bill Self kind of helped you get your start in coaching, uh, uh, bringing you on to that Kansas staff. You also played in Phoenix for Danny Ainge for a few years. Um, if you had to be quarantined with one of those three guys for, for a month, who, who are you picking and why? If you have to spend a, a month straight in the same house with, with one of those three. Bill Self. Okay. <laughs> that's, a, you know, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. But the reason, hey, but I mean, it's hold on now. Let me let me say this too. Now, um, Bill and I played against each other in college. My his mm-hmm. senior year was my freshman year, and he was also a graduate assistant at Kansas. And so, you know, we go way back. And uh, you know, if that was going to be my roommate during this quarantine, and he he'd probably be the guy right what, now. What would be the one thing that would make everything unravel where you guys would be at each other's throats? <laughs> what what would be? Um, I, I don't know if anything would unravel. I mean, as long as there's a little space in the house, we'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> There you go. We well, we appreciate you coming on, Coach. Uh, we want to say this uh, on the record: Wake the Nation. We we won't wake Forest to come back. We are we are big proponents of the Big Four here at this program. We won't wake Forest versus Duke to be a rivalry. We won't wake Forest versus North Carolina. Wake Forest versus State. All that to kind of pop up. So yeah, how did how did that side. work when you guys beat Duke this year? Did Coach K try to break into your locker room to give a pep talk to your players? How did that? No, how does that work? No. <laughs> Coach K is great. I've known Coach K for quite some time. He was he was coaching at Duke when I was still in college playing. <laughs> Every time we cross paths, you know, it's always a great conversation. And, uh, you know, what he's brought to the game, how he's elevated the game in college, especially in our league and, and really in our state, in our area. So, um, you know, nothing but respect for Coach K. Well, we appreciate you joining us, Coach. Uh, continued success at, at Wake Forest. Stay safe out there. Uh, thank you so much for making some time for us. Thanks a lot, guys. You guys be safe as well. All right. Take care, hey, Coach. All right, thank you to Coach Manning uh, for for taking some time out of his day to talk to us, Tate. I think he loves. Uh, were you doing this on purpose, like flexing your knowledge of North Carolina and, and Wake Forest and all that? Because I could see him perk up a little bit every time you start just throwing some some deep dive information at him. Oh well, I mean, look, I'll say this: I I love Wake Forest. I I, I would say, like in a private school sense, I'm a Wake Forest kid. You know, I would have gone to Wake Forest to play basketball if I was a private school person. I'm not public school, so I went to North Carolina. So I just have like a little soft spot for Coach Manning, and I want them to win. John the Baptist, John Collins, uh, you know, I've, I've always been a fan of the 2016-2017 the Wake Forest team. 
severely underrated in the annals of history. No one will ever remember how good they really were. What's the What's the story? I was going to ask him, but then I I got scared because I don't actually know. Are Chris Paul and and Tim Duncan like welcome back? Is there any animosity? Yes. Is there? They are. They are. Oh, like, yeah, it's all good. They're they're, they're all in. Like uh, okay, Tim, Tim Duncan's around. Like you can go back to Wake Forest like once in a blue moon, and Tim Duncan will just be there on campus, and no one will really talk about it. It's just that's right. Weird. Tim Duncan is just like he's just it's classic Tim Duncan. Like he's just kind of quiet about it, and he yeah. just like hides away. And then Chris Paul is Chris Paul. So Chris Paul is. It, like in the city, like he would say Chris Paul in third person, you know what I mean? So yeah. Chris Paul's on campus. It's like Chris Paul is here. Like it's the think, exact think, opposite. Thank you, Chris Paul. Yes. <laughs> Chris Chris Paul will a month out like inform all the local radio yeah. people that he's coming. So they start talking about it on the radio and yes, an article yes. and then he shows up and, and yeah. then bills it as a surprise visit, even though mm-hmm. the whole town's known for a month. Yeah, I, I I wasn't really sure uh which yeah, I don't know. I wanted to ask him about their presence, but then I thought I don't know why, in the back of my mind I was like, Oh wait, maybe they kinda like hate him or hate they've turned their back on Wake Forest or like something's happened with the A D and they hate I don't know. I don't know why I had that in my brain. So oh well, well. I think maybe with the Jeff Teague, Alfaru Camino years, maybe there's a chance there could be like some, oh, yeah, we don't yeah. really have J- – James Johnson isn't really coming back to Wake Forest to hang yeah. out with us. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, – I think the older guys really love it, like a Rodney Rogers. Maybe that's the top five list we do is uh, top five best players that aren't welcome back at their schools. And Chris Weber is number one. And then who's the rest? <laughs> well, yeah, we, I mean, that would be a fun list. Honestly, that's our, <laughs> Top five that's, guys that like – yeah, the alums that, that – something's happened it's, it's, it's something's gone horribly wrong <laughs> tom Gugliata's on the list when he got kicked out at nc state <laughs> i mean dude larry brown at carolina's on the list larry brown's like come back to carolina he's like i'm out <laughs> yeah. uh, all right shout outs closeouts let's get out of here uh first i want to shout out mark pope and the byu cougars i know we talked about it at the top of the show but he he did like a little like message on his iphone and sent out a video like lifting weights hype, hyping people up and i don't know there we had this feeling in maui we both saw mark pope interact with his team and i just want to reiterate the fact that the man's a leader and he got the people rallied i know mitt romney's gonna get all the credit but i give it to mark pope Gunderhead is Mark Pope uh, going to be the head coach of Kentucky at some point in his life? Yes, gun to my head. Yes, I think so too. Twenty twenty five. What's the lifetime uh, contract is up for Coach Cal? You put a gun to my head and you ask me that. I'm I'm definitely saying, sir, you're taking this way too seriously. Please do not. <laughs> why Why are you holding a gun to my head? It's not that serious. <laughs> He's got a BYU shirt on. He's like, did you vote in the ultimate fan bracket? Like, uh, yeah. See you later. Um, I want to shout out Mark Cuban, uh, who went on John Calipari's podcast or internet show or whatever, <laughs> whatever iteration of the John Calipari media empire. Uh, this is coffee with Cal, something like that. Mm. I don't know. He, he, he mixes mm. it up. That man, John Calipari changes his show name more than we change ours. Like this yes. is some guy in college basketball. It, it was the Cal cast that it was Cal's corner. It's like whatever, as long as it has Cal in it. We can't keep up. Um, but he had Mark Cuban on, and basically Tate, the, the takeaway is this the IU Kentucky rivalry is back. Mark Cuban called him out and said, You're soft. I'm I'm putting words in his mouth, but uh, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is how I heard it. You're soft, yep. the Christian Watford shot, get over it. Uh mm-hmm. we have to play this game. And they settled on this, Tate. The, the proposal is this. They're going to play the IU-Kentucky. They're going to bring the series back. They're going to play it on campuses, but no fans will be in attendance because Cal is scared of IU fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it plays in Bloomington, he has to have the, those reassurances. Uh, they'll play it on campus. The campus they'll play it on is determined by a charity fundraiser. Whichever fan base raises the most money gets to host the game. There will be no fans because of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it will kick off or tip off, I guess was the, the, the phrase you're supposed to use for basketball next year's college basketball season. They're going to play it in November. 
and that's how it's going to work in front of no fans. Um, your thoughts? <laughs> uh, it's better than nothing, right? Like it's better than horse. So let's just say it's better than horse. It, it, my rule of thumb right now, the idea, if it's better than horse, it's I'll probably, horse, wa- put it I'll probably watch it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a sporting event. It's better than horse. I'll watch it. I, I love that Cuban is doing this, though. Bring back the IU Kentucky thing. Uh, yeah, it's good. Cal. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's gonna. I, I mean, this is obviously not going to happen. But I don't think, I don't think IU Kentucky. If if you can't bring it back with Cal and Archie, who are like cousins, I think they're literally cousins. Maybe not first cousins, but like second wow. cousins. Yeah. Um, if that can't, if that's not enough to bring it back, it's not coming back anytime soon. <laughs> Certainly not what Cal's coaching. But uh, I appreciate Mark Cuban uh, doing what he can to make it happen. So yeah, shout out to him. Thank you, Mark Cuban. Uh, another shout-out for me. Five-star Zaire Williams commits to Stanford. Uh, again, we are not a podcast that prides ourselves on recruiting knowledge, but Zaire Williams is a five-star guy. A lot of big schools are going after him. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, the usual suspects, obviously. He decides to go to Stanford. Um, I think people are cool with it because it's Stanford, uh, so it's obviously mm-hmm. a big-time degree to go there. Are, are you are you buying into the idea that Stanford and the Pac-12 are playing the bad game? Are they, are they in it? Because I feel like they are. I love this. Uh, Stanford is what kind of school are they private or public? Tate, explain. Oh, that's right. They are private. Oh, interesting. No, uh, I I will always support a kid who turns down blue bloods Mm -hmm. to stay at a home state school. Yeah, that will always that is one of the cool things. Uh, it will always be cool, even when it's even when it's Stanford and we're talking about a school that has a ten trillion dollar endowment and is you know whatever. I know Stanford's not exactly an underdog institution here, but um. Yeah, anytime a guy turns down the North Carolinas and UCLA's and Arizona's and Kansas's and Dukes of the world to go to a school that's in-state, it has my support. So more power to you. I'll be honest, though, I probably wouldn't know who this kid is if he didn't play for LeBron and D-Wade's mm-hmm. son's team, but that's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's also one of those things where it's like he's got a little trouble because like Zaire Williams is kind of similar to Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. gonna have to he's gonna have to really make a name for himself. But shout out to Coach Pruitt uh, at Stanford. That's really cool. Um, I also want to bring. I brought this up at the last show. I didn't even know if it was correct, but Luther Muhammad cut his list to five schools. One of them being UCLA. So mm-hmm. uh, there's still a chance. Mark, what was it? UCLA, New Mexico. West Virginia, Seton Hall, and who was the last one? Arizona State, I believe. Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. just a, a, a mixed bag there. A lot of mm-hmm. the three West Coast schools. Jersey, he's a Jersey kid. Maybe goes back to Seton Hall. Maybe goes plays for Huggy Bear. I feel like Huggy – I don't know what West Virginia's roster situation is, but he feels like a West Virginia player. He's herky-jerky. He's from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he feels like a Huggy Bear recruit big time. Like he's Yeah. And a guy that could Blue press, collar, yeah. yeah, he could press all game if he had great to. defender. Yeah, yep. that that feels like a West Virginia. I don't know what their roster situation is, or if they even really want him that much. Or I'm I'm sure they do if he's on the top five. Uh, speaking of cutting lists, shout out to Matt Harms who has officially cut his list to ten. Uh, we're getting closer. I think uh, we now have to ask the question: Tate, will the quarantine end, or will Matt Harms pick a school first? Mm. What is going mm. to happen? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. We will all. <laughs> oh, fingers <laughs> we'll give crossed. You we will give you updates as they develop, but uh, Matt, Matt Harms had his list at like 27, I believe. He has now cut it to 10. We are getting closer. Who is going to be the lucky winner of Matt Harms' sweepstakes? Um, and lastly, all this recruiting news, shout out to uh, Louisville who landed uh, San Francisco transfer Charles Minland, I believe is the guy's name. Um, what is noteworthy about this, Tate, is the guy cut his list to seven. This, this kid from the University of San Francisco, graduate transfer, cuts his list to seven. Louisville is not on the list, and then he commits to Louisville over the weekend. Um, 
I feel like we've been here before. I feel like once upon a time, there, <laughs> once upon a time, there's a Louisville head coach who said it was the easiest recruitment of my life. I barely even recruited him. <laughs> he called me and told me he wants to come, and uh, mm. I, I couldn't believe it. It was just that easy. Uh, uh, let's be careful out there, Chris Mack. That's all I'm saying. Let's be careful. <laughs> Stay safe. Stay safe out there. Uh, the, the, the scheme is out there. Now it's we, on HBO. Now we know why Chris Mack was, he's only in day eight of quarantine as the rest of the country's been in it for a month. Uh, this yes. is what Chris Mack has been up to. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I had to go take a couple flights, confirm some kids. Like, Coach Mack, get inside. Anything else before we go, Tate? Uh, I just want to say, I, I like the top five list we did today. I apologize to the Villanova fans, Syracuse fans, Kansas fans, everyone who's, who's upset about this. Um, I hope that we have some sort of, I, I seem, I saw like an Adam Silver little tidbit, like they're like talking about the reintegration of basketball. I want to see what these, uh, what this all like looks like as far as like the, the timelines of things. But I'm, I am a little bit optimistic about the future of Mark Titus today. At the mm. end of the show, I feel a little bit like I don't know if the sun's coming in right now to my mm. room or whatever's going on, but there's a little bit of optimism where I'm like, basketball, it's got to come back. It will come at back. At some point, yeah. At some I point. I agree. At some point, <laughs> I, I agree. At some point, they will play basketball again. Mm-hmm. But when is the question? But when, uh, yes. Yeah, yes. I enjoyed the top five. I forgot to – one more shout-out for me. I forgot to do my honorable mentions for the, uh, mm. the top five list we were doing. Uh, my honorable mentions included 1979. Larry Bird should have beat Magic Johnson. That would have been a much better story. Mm. Um no bias there, obviously. Uh, I had 2013, speaking of Louisville, um, Michigan deserved a win. Not even just because Louisville now had their banner taken away, but because uh, Trey Burke's block was not a foul in Peyton Siva. And Michigan, we all know it. We all remember that. Yep. I also had uh, 2017, Gonzaga, Carolina. Sorry, Tate, but uh, that, that felt like it was supposed to be Gonzaga's crowning moment if Zach Collins just would have played more and not been in foul trouble the whole game. Mm-hmm. Huh? Mm-hmm. Weird how that mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, uh, shout out to 2002 Maryland IU. The only reason I didn't have that on the list is because I feel like Maryland really needed that title too. So if, if IU would have lost to like Carolina or Duke or some stupid, some other stupid school, you got, <laughs> I don't know, so like a six seed or something. Stupid school. Yeah. <laughs> See, six six seeded UConn would have beat IU in 2002. I definitely would have had that on my list, but Maryland needed it. Maryland was a great team, so I didn't put that on the list. But, but it, Indiana is the case study of what we were talking about, which is like the race to get a title this century. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and Indiana is still there. Like Kansas got it in 08. And, like North Carolina got it in 05. Like Duke got it in 01. Like everyone's in that same race, and IU still searching for it. IU's losing. I, <laughs> I feel like they'll find it. IU pulled off to get gas. Uh, they, they had to make a pit stop, and then they have not found their way back. I to mean, UC, UCLA. UCLA mm-hmm. is the same thing. Like They're trying to find it. That's why I think UCLA and Indiana, they're fighting for that last spot. It's like, who's going to win a title first? And it's Mick mm-hmm. Cronin versus Archie, Archie Miller. So uh, who would have thought? That's what IU, Indiana beat UCLA in the uh, Fox Sports bracket. So yes. uh, there, there's that. I don't know how much that matters, too. <laughs> it matters um, a lot. Okay, one last thing, Tate. I forgot. Uh, the TNT Classic that we promised that that's forthcoming, um, it is – uh, it is still coming. We're, we are planning on doing it. We're, I think we were planning on doing it maybe this Friday, but we have a white whale guest coming on Friday. I'll just put it at that. Like this is a guy that we we landed. Uh, we're taking advantage of the quarantine. We reached out. He said he would come on. Tate and I both just sent thirty exclamation points to each mm-hmm. other. We were mm-hmm. very excited about it. So that is our priority right now. We're we're just being upfront and honest with you. That is all I really care about. I can't wait for Friday show. It is going to be, uh, it, it, I, I'm not sure I've ever been this excited to do an interview before Tate. 
Yes, I uh, I don't even know what to wear. I don't know how to prep for it, but I do know this: uh, seeing the inside of that coach's house is going to be a great day. And yeah, uh, I, that's all I want to know. That's all I want. Like, I want to open up Zoom and just get like five minutes of MTV Cribs with that coach. Uh, yes, we, we should we should do. It is a coach, and uh, if I, I'm not I'm not going to spoil it anymore. Yeah, I, I was about to give too much away. Uh, you can maybe connect the dots if you know. Tate and I's sensibilities and coaches we love. Um, but it's yeah. not Kevin Stallings. I think a lot it's of people not, right yeah. now, they're thinking Kevin Stallings. It's not Kevin Stallings, unfortunately. It is an active coach. Uh, and Kevin Stallings, unfortunately, is not an active <laughs> coach. <laughs> All right, that's the show. We will be back on Friday with our Whitewell guests. Thank you for listening. See you guys then. 